Hello, everybody. Welcome to Take the Black Live, the show where myself, Dan Selke, editor at WilliamsComing.net, and Mia Johnson, editor at Fansetter.com, talk all things, you know, Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire, fantasy, sci-fi, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Will the Time, Mass Kingdom, anything you can shake a stick at. Today, I come at you live and a little bit sick, as you can maybe tell. But one of our topics will be the coronavirus, so I think it's very appropriate. How fitting, oh no. That's in a minute. We also have, for people just joining us, a special guest star coming later in the program, so look forward to that. Yes. But for right now, I wanted to start off with uh, some Game of Thrones news, some interesting stuff that's going on. Um, HBO formally ended its tenancy, we'll say that, Mm -hmm. at Titanic Studios in Northern Ireland. Now, Titanic Studios has been the, there it is, the home of Game of Thrones since the very beginning, like 2011, or actually before 2011, when it started on, like, it's always been here, tons of it happened here. Frankly, I think it's historical. Yeah. At this point. (laughs) Lots of good memories here. And, um... That's part of why I want to talk about it because there are so many good memories here. Like we have this little slideshow here I put together. Oh, about, precious memories! I mean, yeah, look at that. Look at Amelia Clark Aww. in the Marine um, Daenerys's Miranese audience chamber or bedroom. <laughs> Great, I love it. Um, yeah, look at it. Looks so fantastic. And oh, there's Lady Lena Tyrell shaking the hand of the director. <laughs> yeah. Good times in King's Landing. This is also a documentary, by the way, that was, um, I think, H&M was at the Paint Hall, which is like the kind of inner studio they film at there. Okay. There's a half-pure Julius Bjornsson <laughs> as the mountain. Uh, getting all, and there's, of course, yeah. Lena Headey in the Iron, in the, uh, the, uh, the, Red, the Red Keep throne room wow, in King's Landing. They have <laughs> everything there. <laughs> wow. Very, very impressive. So the reason why I bring it up is because a that's pretty cool. Yeah. But also it's interesting that they're that they're ending it because, as we all know, they are making a Game of Thrones prequel series, and part of the question I'm having here is you have this great um, setup, you know. I mean, you have this um, <clears throat> area where you have all this. You have this infrastructure laid. You have mm-hmm. people who like know the area. Like, why wouldn't you use it for your next project? And in fact. They did film the Game of Thrones prequel pilot Blood Moon here okay. at yeah. Titanic. By the way, a little sidebar, name Titanic Studios because it's where the Titanic was built. Oh, yeah. I was wondering. I was like, what's the connection there? There has to be something. Oh, yeah. Fully built there. The, wow. And then that's it, awesome. And, and then it sunk. I mean, yeah, it's it's a very storied place. And it's a film studio. Um, it's just curious because you'd figure, I mean, wouldn't you figure? Yeah. That you'd want to use it over for whatever you're doing now. And the show they're making, House of the Dragon, I mean, like, it's set in King's Lane. A lot of it happens there. Yeah. That's what, whereas I, the past like, one was not. When it comes to something like Game of Thrones, you kind of need that landscape of, like, what is this, Northern Northern, Northern Ireland? Northern Ireland, yeah. So, I mean, I'm not... Sh- I mean, yeah, I've seen obviously game of thrones i've seen some of the set pictures yes, so i know you know it's you know the nice lush greenery maybe some rolling hills i can't yeah it's like where else would they go like okay the next biggest thing would be like london like pinewood studios but that's in the heart Whoa. of a gigantic city <laughs> like they can film star wars there but is that where it's filmed i, I believe star wars film on pinewood. pinewood uh but if you are going to film like, for example, Star Wars, when they had to film, like, the greenery scenes, then they would go, yeah, on location to, you know, who knows where in, like, the Oh, yeah. And Game of Thrones is, is a, a very um, wide uh, yeah. array of locations. They spent a lot of time in Croatia 
a lot of time in Spain. Spain was a huge one for them. Yeah. I had one theory about, like, uh, since most of House of the Dragon, which is, again, is about the... Uh, I love my voice right now, by the way. <laughs> yeah. The right. Targaryen Civil War, known as the Dance of the Dragons. Mm-hmm. A lot of it takes place in the south of Westeros, where it's a little sunnier. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. winter is not going to be a huge problem for this one. <laughs> it was always coming, the last one. Like, here, it's it's not, like, a, a giant deal. So, that is going to... for Okay, so for this upcoming... The, yeah, the, the, the theory was that I read, like, okay, maybe... Um, because there's not a whole lot said in the north where it's all rainy and dreary all the time. Northern Ireland wouldn't be a good fit because they had everything there. Like they not, not only filmed at that place, they also like went to their surrounding areas, mm-hmm. filmed things, and you know, like the rolling beautiful green hills of Northern yeah, Ireland, which are famously kind of overcast all yeah. the time <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm it, it's kind of like so. I guess they need like that Mediterranean Ooh, vibe, right. like you said, like Spain and all that. I don't really know about big like film studios out there but maybe they have to start maybe they're well, looking one oh, there's also australia which is a very well, big happening area yeah, for film production right yeah. now i mean that's another thing about um why it, why it's a little um you know sad that they're leaving this is because it pumped in like it put northern ireland on the map as a <laughs> yeah. like destination for filming game of thrones did it pumped like hundreds of millions of dollars into the economy just for the production alone not even counting mm. tourism and stuff it did a lot and now that studio is used by a lot of other ple- people to make um other projects other film stuff so they've done a lot i'm a little sad to see them go yeah um and i'm sure the explanation is innocent and not like i don't know part of me wants to go like full conspiracy and go like oh god it's canceled right We're not doing it <laughs> no, no 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 don't don't panic <laughs> but I got it. And as Louise says, King's Landing was filmed all over Europe. Northern Ireland was mainly Winterfell in the north. That's very true. Although, as we saw, they did film, like, inside that place, they had all the sets you can all dream of. All sets, yeah. By the way, I, th- I thought about it before. I, th- I think we discussed that. Like, are they going to just, like, recreate? Because, again, like, the prequel will take place... Like, those locations are still around. Yeah. Like, the Red Keep is still around. The throne room, like, shouldn't look that different. The Iron Throne shouldn't look that different. Like, are they going to just keep it as everything's going to be the same or do they just go new versions you know i'm for that <laughs> new versions i guess like when it comes to set building like they can kind of like if they're fine with like deconstructing the set and putting it back together again like you know in replica detail it's fine go let them do it but yeah to kind of lose that and to throw it all away is you know it a little sad. it's a little bittersweet but i mean and again yeah. there was a, a comment from the Head of NI screen. It was known from a relatively early stage that Northern Ireland was not in a position to deliver in location and other ways on what was required for the prequel series. So they thought about this. I'm <laughs> okay, sure it'll go yeah, well. Yeah. And just uh, thanks, oh, Titanic Studios, so for serving HBO well low yeah. these past, God, like 12 years or so. Oh, man. We'll miss you. <laughs> and there are still like museums there and everything. Yeah. All right. Shall we move on? Ooh, yeah. Do so, okay. Yeah. What's that? Go ahead. <laughs> All right. So, viewers, we have a special uh, treat for you. We have a famous Take the Black Live uh, veteran known around these parts as um, Little Fella uh, to discuss a topic of great import to the world of pop culture today. Let's bring on Joshua Hill, known to some of our comp. <laughs> That's right. Oh, why, thank you. Thanks thank for joining you. us, Josh. Thank you, Dan. I'm sorry. I mean, again, Hello, it everybody. Is just <laughs> Hi, Julie and everybody. God, I'm kind of sick. Sorry about that. I told you I told you last time I'm sorry. It was it was funny. Like, one of our commenters said, like, I'm, I'm kind of quoting, like, <laughs> uh, I hope she'll say something. 
I miss you all. I like to see that other little fella come back again too. Little fella's back. <laughs> little fella's back. Well, good to see you, Josh. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I would be doing better if I could see the James Bond movie a little sooner. Okay, yeah. So this story we're talking about today, Louise Piper does Little Fella's back. Oh, I hope that thing catches on so badly. Little fella. Yeah. Um, okay. It's better than Little Finger. It is better than Little Finger. But hey, we can do. We can put up a whole. I found my way back somehow. (laughs) You just when you count me out, right back in we go. Yeah, I wanted to have you on because you are. Correct me if I'm wrong. A pretty big James Bond fan, right? I love James Bond. You have always seemed to talk or just I don't know, notice like little references you make. Mm -hmm. Is there anything to that? By the way, you just always love the movies. No, there's a love for the movie, fandom for the movies. So Mm, and the books. The books too. Yes. Oh, cool. I'm very Hardcore. learned. I'm, I'm well read. Very nice. I'm Ian Fleming. But yeah, there's a story today where the new James Bond movie, No Time to Die, the yeah. 25th one, I think, mm-hmm. and the last one, Daniel Craig as Mr. Bond, is going to be delayed from April. Uh, I think it's about like the eighth, all the way back to November. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I'm talking about it is because, um, kind of like me, it's because of possibly the coronavirus. <laughs> Yeah. So the idea is that, you know, there are these theaters in a lot of Asia and Europe from mm-hmm. like Italy to Korea to Japan to, of course, China, yeah. where theaters are closing down um, and they're like, OK, so we don't want to open now because we won't get, you know, ticket sales in those places. We're going to push it back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hopefully it'll blow over by that point. Maybe. What do you make of that, Josh? That they're pushing it back because of the coronavirus? Or, or just, just in general. In general. Yeah. I, I, okay, so I'm of two minds of it. One is I don't want the coronavirus to be a problem. So that kind of yeah, complicates the second too. point, Cheers which is the, uh, James Bond doesn't feel like a summer blockbuster movie. Like these last Daniel Craig movies have come out in the fall, in November. Yeah. When do you have the movie marathons on, the Bondathons? And they're always in November. Even when, the, even when you're on a, a Bond off year, when there's not a movie coming out. There are Thanksgiving marathons. You have those on Sci-Fi or USA or wherever. A lot of people, like for for example, GoldenEye. A lot of people are familiar with GoldenEye because of the video game, but also because that was on all the time over the holidays or Thanksgiving. And there's this association. I've seen you watching it on your desk. Yeah, and I do watch it on my desk (laughs) outside of Thanksgiving, but Mm -hmm. I'm also a Bondaholic. Um, but there is this association, kind of the way that now we've come to associate Star Wars with Christmas in a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah, totally. Or like the Doctor Who Christmas special. Game of Thrones was very associated with spring. Yeah, like That's why absolutely. it was so weird when spring Game is of Thrones, the last season of the show came out, or, you know, we had, or was it the year before? It was the year before. It yeah, was like in July. Delay. It was a little strange. It came out in July. It was a little weird because we're so, we so closely associated. It's our own bio clock telling us, oh, it's this time of year. It's time for Game of Thrones. It's April. I need Game of Thrones now and I don't have it and it feels a little weird watching it in the summer sure. same thing with James Bond it felt weird it's not even like officially summer movie it was coming yeah. out in April so that wasn't I mean, even like it was a blockbuster like that's only summer in the sense of Hollywood summer movie season summer yeah like it's not summer and I, so I didn't understand that decision to put it out that early when you've established that fall is first of all the time that James Bond movies have historically come out specifically Daniel Craig movies and also that's like 
peak prestige cinema like that is when you're pushing your yeah. Oscar movies out you're pushing we've come if we're talking about we're associating game of thrones with this with april and spring sure we've come to associate the fall october november december specifically october and november with okay these are when the oscar movies are coming out these are when the capital f films are being released that the important movies that we're going to need to talk about as we enter the <laughs> awards race that's very true but you consider james bond, bond one of those is it considered an important I, I film, film you wouldn't but then you know sam mendez comes and directs skyfall and all of a sudden we're like well dude is, there, is it getting best picture so you know carrie no. fukunaga is involved so he i mean involved. james bond has taken a lot of steps from the roger moore years of the submarine unfortunately cars yeah to now we are actually attracting prestige filmmakers that want to come i mean roger deakins was the the, the cinematographer on the last two bond movies like or he was on skyfall right. that's you know pretty impressive when you're considering this is a movie about a guy who runs around the world with a gun killing people and bursting through walls of drywall just bursting out i love your passion yes. uh, so, okay so, so you're in favor of this i'm hearing so you I'm are okay with move, it being not moved in favor of the reason behind the move <laughs> like well, i mean no one's I'm in favor of the coronavirus, coronavirus no but you know okay but but you're okay 19 is a very bond sounding like it actually really is like COVID-19 that could be an organization of villains with all of them who have like cats in their laps but so so you're okay with the concept of it being moved to november you were a little mad that it was in april the first place i am that's what i'm hearing i kind of i thought you would come in here and say like i want to see it now well i do want to see it now right. but if it has to be moved like i talked myself into okay with there are worse things than being able to see a james bond movie sure. sooner than expected but now this does feel a little bit more comfortable but on the flip side of that coin is does this mean that the movie's not particularly good i mean i doubt that i mean again right. it seems like the reason is because of COVID 19 not because of it's bad or good or anything well that, that's always kind of in the back it's of your a mind. purely economic decision as the press release put it out there well the other the other thing the other train of thought that i had when i was thinking about this was what does this do for black widow what does this do for some of these yeah, other blockbuster yeah, yeah, movies yeah. are they also going to move if the coronavirus continues to be a thing because yeah that's, moving a that's james a bond Western. movie moving a tent whole film like you, that close to release too it, means like it was a month off yeah. like it's like that's unusual right we had super bowl commercials we had special <laughs> we issues had trailers, of magazines yeah. we're starting our merch our our, our tie-ins with mm-hmm. all of our merchandise and we have to put that all on hold to move it like that's pretty significant and if james bond can do that a a cultural icon a tentpole that people are going to go to see that mm-hmm. if that can get moved then what does that do with black widow some of these other big movies that we have coming out in the summer it's a good point like do you think like the entire summer movie schedule might be obliterated like are we going to see like the eternals next year now i don't know if, if we move that like <laughs> come on what are we doing <laughs> we need that Maybe. I know, right? This is an illustrative example of what's what's of why we need to do this. <laughs> no, I don't. Think, I'm kidding. I don't have the coronavirus. I have a cold. No, Selkie's good. I'm here in solid. It's, look, why would you do Selkie, that? We are we are in solidarity. <laughs> well, I've got until November to watch James Bond. I can heal up. It'll be fine. Okay, get it out. That's of a good my point. System, but you know, you're young. You'll probably be okay. Still, I wouldn't have done that. All right. Well, I'm really glad. That you, I, I love that you have so much passion yes. about this. I like hearing your perspective. And obviously, I don't want, uh, you know, the release schedule of movies to be all mucked up because of this. No. I think it's kind of inevitable a little bit, though, because I really, I yeah. mean, like, I read, like, China's going to lose $2 billion in box office revenue mm-hmm. this year because, like, there are, like, 70,000 theaters closed there. Yeah. Like, obviously, through Italy, Korea, Japan, 
like things are going to be i bet there'll be like a giant lull in like a couple of years from now you know mm. when like movies that would have been shot and coming out yeah like now mm-hmm. are going to be because it's weren't made or pushed back but um you know obviously more important is that ourselves and our loved ones are kept safe and healthy and wash your hands and you know don't touch too much stuff all that stuff but the movies are also a problem and I, I i do want to see them yes it's what james bond would want as a person who routinely saves the world okay we'll let you go here josh but just uh really quick the movie itself are you looking forward to it i am it's uh does it like ring any bells for you like this you have a sense that it's going to be good bad in between i i'm a little i was a little hyped up from the trailer because daniel craig has that swaggery blustery mantra to him again the kind of the way that it, yeah because it's his last movie so we're kind of tying a bow on the whole daniel craig is it like what like 10 years now yeah 2005 was just oh, over 10 2000 years. Cool. was uh casino real so he's kind of got that senioritis thing going on where he knows this is the last one so you might as well go for it i mean I'm sure he got a pretty fine paycheck to come back after i said he'd no rather doubt. slash his wrists than play james bond again but here we are uh carrie fukunaga i mean yeah, of course got a lot behind there so I, I, i'm hyped I, I think it's gonna be a good wrap-up and then we get to have the whole conversations about what's next for bond which what's is gonna next? be plenty of fun I'm Richard sure Madden um, sure I'll be back else. to talk about that yeah uh, we'll have the little back. man will return <laughs> the little fellow we'll be back in November to talk about uh, <laughs> how it went thanks for coming on Josh always a pleasure always thank you everybody <laughs> bye alright and now while Mia comes back I'll entertain you um, with okay there, there's a comment again and there's Josh Hill eternal eternally beautiful skinny with glasses Josh Hill I'm glad he wore the glasses we were in contact lately and I'm back. <laughs> yeah, it's good oh, that he God. wore the... I feel like he knew specifically today we wanted him, so he had to wear his glasses. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'd asked him like a couple hours ago. It was fortuitous. You he mean, just knew, though. He just knew. Do you have any Bond opinions? <laughs> oh, Bond opinions? Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, not as passionate about Josh about it. He likes you know, it. He, lo- he loves, loves, loves it. Um, I'm just like a casual viewer. It's something that my dad really liked. He liked all the uh, <laughs> old classic Bond, so it's just kind of like... Through osmosis, I was like, yeah, James Bond is cool. <laughs> yeah, that's about me. Yeah. Like, I, I've watched them. As Louis says, Josh is mega intense about Bond. Who knew he could be so serious? <laughs> yeah. I don't know either, Louise. Okay. Something that you're serious about, though, or more serious, oh, though, goodness. is that Galaxy Far, Far Away is uh, Star Wars. Yeah. So, I, I find it remarkable that we are a couple months out from the yeah, Rise of Skywalker it's now. March. This thing's it's March. It's March. And it's still kind of finding ways to irritate people. <laughs> yes. Um, although I am kind of getting Game of Thrones season eight post flashbacks where I'm reading the stuff and I'm like, this isn't that big of a deal. But mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, let's talk about it anyway. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's still. You can fun. tell me if if, 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 if if it's a big deal or not. So there is this issue of um, kind of like these bits of information about Star Wars versus Skywalker, the final film in the Skywalker saga. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of coming out in ways that weren't involved in the actual films. There's this novelization that came out recently yeah. by Ray Carson that revealed, for instance, that the Emperor Palpatine, as we saw him in the movie, was a clone yeah. and living in a clone body, and uh, but it contained his actual spirit. And I, and I, I guess, and you know, there are other things. Um, like there's also like this thing unlike the the rise of skywalker visual dictionary mm-hmm. that like told you how the emperor built 
uh, that giant fleet he had, which yeah. was kind of like a thing in the movie. I was like, so yeah. where do those come from? Yeah, just kind of there. WTF. So the, the question for, for there is like, I mean, like I, I I hesitate to like inscribe insidious intent to this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'll, I'll start with this. Yes, is it all right for a company like Disney to? put information that I think you could argue is relevant to enjoying the movie, like not in the movie, like yeah. put it in a novelization or whatever a visual dictionary is. Is that a yeah. book? I don't even know. The visual dictionary. Yeah, it's a book. It's a book and it's, it's got like pictures and it's a picture book. <laughs> what do you make of that but, practice? But yeah, as far as this practice, to me, it's, like the this clone one specifically because we're going to talk about another one the clone one specifically feels like a bit of information that probably could have been left in there or probably just not mentioned at all like not even in the book i mean i'm i'm i'm, I'm my thing is like i'm not sure it makes a giant difference yeah, i mean I, okay like, so it's fun. i i think my thing is more so like everybody was kind of like how and why is Palpatine back in the first place if Darth Vader killed him in the sixth movie? Yeah, I remember that. And a lot of people, you know, some of Down them were calling, some of them were calling like BS because you're like, well, yes, yeah, sure, sometimes this happens and you bring a character back from the dead and blah, blah, blah. We've seen it all the time, but it's still kind of cheap, you know, to bring back a character who's dead and not let them be dead. Um, and so mm-hmm. for them to backtrack in the book and say, oh, it's because he was a clone. It's kind of like, I mean, I guess sort of thing. Um, so I, f- I feel like with some careful planning and consideration, me personally, I would have liked to seen that in the movie. I feel like it's kind of like a detail where I thought it was like the actual Palpatine and, you know, he used this blanket statement like, you know, there's the mysterious ways that the dark side works or something like that. And you're like, no, that's BS. If you had just told me <laughs> that he was a clone and, you know, that, th- which also his appearance, because his appearance was kind of like decrepit and he was like, I mean, really, it was, really, I thought really it was just like, and- it's been a minute since we saw you last. Yeah. Like, time right. happens. Right. So, I mean, even if he had a better looking clone body, that would have made sense, right? Why would you put, yeah, why yourself- put yourself in a hot clone body? Yeah. <laughs> If I had to clone myself, I mean, let's be honest. So to me, that was just like a, a forehead smack moment. Now, to be fair, though, there was a... Uh, I just don't think there was much thought put into it. No, so I, I'm hesitant 100%. to like get so upset about it. I get but, like, it. That, I get it. I have seen some things, though. One that said... Um, who is that? J.J. Abrams wanted to put a clone, specifically clone Palpatine in episode seven, the first one to kick all this off. Really? Um, but before this movie came out, actually, uh, Ian McDermott, who plays Palpatine, was like, he was at Brussels Comic Con and he was like, oh, yeah, uh, Palpatine is more clone, less man. Um, which, oh, interesting. Yeah, which kind of like slipped under the radar until this came out, which was like, when he said that, I think that was like a couple weeks, no more than like a week or two. Um, so it's kind of interesting that it was, I guess it was there, but they were just never like, oh yeah, I guess <laughs> I guess we could have told you that. I mean, like, I wonder if this kind of thing is just like a, a natural consequence of um, like the, 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 the sort of like strategy that Disney has now, mm-hmm. like where it's this thing where you have to do homework. <laughs> to understand what you're watching. Like, I feel like they're going to go with Marvel a little bit. You know, they're talking yeah. about all these new TV series are going to fit in the movies. Like, if you have this broad an approach to how you make your content, mm-hmm. you can't help 
but like like this, this kind of like this kind of thing will happen like yeah. it's going to spread around the information and i mean in, in this case i think it's just like i'm sure the novelist is just like <laughs> i have some little bit of freedom here blah blah blah, blah. exactly but um i think that kind of thing is, is sort of inevitable like because it, it's, it's just too big to keep a hold of everything in a way yeah and i think especially I, th- I feel like the strengths of the novelization would be because we have characters and we can hear their inner like thoughts and sure narration that's something good so like yeah if you said kylo ren felt extremely <laughs> proud to be there that's a detail that i wouldn't have cared that they'd thrown in I like this from um, diane i thought he might have been a horcrux like voldemort oh if only <laughs> um but yeah so on top of that i think moving on to the next <laughs> the next extraneous detail which i think they worked a little too hard to get into this um had to deal with Ray and Kylo Ren's super oh, steamy, yeah. sizzling kiss at the end. <laughs> Is that what you want to call it? Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, if, I mean, that's not what Disney wants to call it. Sure. Um, so what had happened there was there was another passage in the book where it's talking about the kiss and they really go out of their way to make <laughs> it seem just strictly platonic. Um, did we... A kiss oh, yeah, of yeah, gratitude, the, yeah. acknowledgement of their connection, celebration that they'd found each other at last. It is not saying, like, lust for his hot dying body. <laughs> yeah, it is 100% not. The, the, it's like kiss of gratitude, acknowledgement of their connection, celebrate. Like three adjective sort of things, three describers to nail the hammer, you know, nail the uh, it in and to say they are not romantically linked in any it's way. It's a platonic tongue kiss. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you me and my best friends do it all the time. No. <laughs> so I don't know where that came from or why they all of a sudden decided to make that pivot. The only thing I could think of, and please protect my Twitter account, is that the so-called Raylos have been fervent. They have been active three months and counting with the um like the whole save Ben Solo thing. Like they hate that he died. Well, they hate sure. that he was redeemed and then immediately died afterwards. Um and of course they love the relationship, but they like every single Star Wars tweet, save Ben Solo. I don't want to see this anymore unless you bring Ben Solo back. How? Like, <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> like that gets into like the the relationship between a company like Disney. Yeah. And this like goes to show you like that that you don't really have control over a story that big. Mm-hmm. Like Disney obviously doesn't want this um, love that never dies or whatever the, the shippers want, but it, it, it's not really up to them, you know? Yeah. Like once you put it out there, it becomes its own entity. Exactly. And yeah. this is just like, they're trying to fight back, but it's like, can you do that Yeah. in a world where like your story is only yours in theory? Like once it gets online, people just take it and do whatever they want with it. And that's not a bad thing. It's just mm-hmm. the way things are. But again, it's like trying to maybe a futile exercise and trying to manage perception of a story that, again, once yeah. in the ether, it's it's it's, it's, it's out yeah, there, it's man. There. People have come up with, and I mean, there are so many other. There, Adam Driver, Daisy Ridley are both distinguished actors. J.J. Abrams, I assume, knows what he's doing as a director. So if you say, "Hey, guys, you in think- this scene, as an actor, you know, I want you to show your gratitude for them." Mm-hmm. If I were Daisy Ridley or Adam Driver, I wouldn't immediately go, yeah, I'm going to, you know, drive my tongue down this person's mouth. What if I grab something? 
<laughs> Abrams is like, that's it, that's it, we're going with that cut. Uh, no, so to me, it all seems extraneous, at least this part, and it it just has me, you know, going, what? I mean, why? personally, I always hope that this is the last time we talk about the rest of Skywalker. Um, and it never seems to be. I know, it's like knock on so, wood. <laughs> so There's we'll no see wood what around happens. me. Oh, this is wood. I want to talk it up too. It's a bit of a mess. Yeah. Let's move on. Yeah, let's. Please, please, please. Oh, speaking of moving on. Um, okay, so far, kind of like, what are we watching this yeah. week's segment? I wanted to bring up something I've been watching since it started, and now we're a, day, a week away from the finale. The finale is this Sunday. That I, I'm now, like, now that I've watched nine to ten episodes, I really love this series. Oh, it's awesome. uh, The Outsider on HBO. I, I, I know that I've mentioned it here before, uh-huh. but I've really dug into it that much. Yeah. Okay. It is a Stephen Let King us, adaptation yeah. of a book called The Outsider about um, like a small Georgia town where there's a child murder and then it slowly kind of put it together that, and the murder gets blamed on Jason Bateman, mm. although he didn't do it. Ooh. It's actually <laughs> a more supernatural thing involved. I've really loved the way that it's been kind of slowly building I think it's in a great job of like inc- like keeping the tension tight throughout. Like nine episodes in of a thriller, usually like that they lose my interest. Like yeah. it, it's hard to keep you on the hook for that long. Like they do a great job of like kind of building the detail of what is involved with the monster, who is we'll just call him the outsider, shall we? Okay. I think <laughs> um, without like giving away the whole game, so keeping it mysterious. The cast is. And again, nine episodes in, tremendous. You have uh, Oscar nominee Cynthia Aviro mm-hmm. as Holly Gibney, who is this kind of like very, um, like almost like preternaturally observant woman who is almost like a little bit autistic even. Like she has trouble with like day-to-day activities. Mm-hmm. She's like really, really smart at her job. She's a private investigator. It's Ben Mendelsohn as Detective Ralph Anderson, who is like trying, having trouble believing in them. The reality of the outside, but he has to come around to it, Mia, to just stop it. But she believes immediately. Their conflict is great. It's a really deep cast of like, you know, their partners, people involved in the investigation, people who are helping the thing. Um, I've just been really, really impressed by it. And now, I mean, I, 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 oh, that's the outsider. That's the outsider. Oh Oh my God, it's me out so bad I saw it first. Like they give you like these little glimpses of him. Like that picture is like blown up and lightened. It like shows up like really, really quick and then it's gone. Like you don't Ooh. see that in motion. I was freaked out by that, frankly, when I first saw it, like for a <laughs> while. I was like watching it like this with my dog in my lap. Um, really, really liking it. Uh-huh. And and again, I, I've just been impressed with how consistently good it's been. So now I'm thinking like if they land this, if they land the plane, um oh uh in case he's watching, I'm not okay with this. Have you watched that? Oh no. No, the Netflix one. Yeah, I have not watched that yet. Let me go get a right But yeah, uh, if they land this, I'm thinking like, this could be the best Stephen King adaptation since The Shining. Like, Ooh. it's that good. I think it's very, very good. And I encourage people to watch it. Have you kept up with like Stephen King's works, like the books and the movies and all that? I am separate? a casual Stephen King okay. fan. You know, I, I've, I've read it. Um, I read I read The Shining back in okay. the day. I've read, I read like Six Pest Men. I've read a bunch of his books. I've seen a lot of his movies. Um. God, there are a lot of Stephen King movies out there, yeah. aren't there? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, since the 70s, this guy's been having stuff. You know, I saw the original Carrie. I saw both Shinings. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I I am literate in Stephen King. Okay. I'm not an expert because, like, that guy has written yeah, a crap so ton yeah. of things. Just, like, I don't know. I don't know how he writes them. I don't know how everybody reads them. But, um, and, you know, they are, 
they're like up and down, right? Yeah. Like there are great Stephen King movies. There's like Misery is a great one I love with Cassie Bates. It's a wonderful one. Um, I love The Original Shining with mm-hmm. Jack Nicholson. I think it's a great movie. I think this is really strong. Um, and then there are like crap ones, right? Yeah. It's it, like no one likes Dreamcatcher from 2002. Yeah, it's a swinging pendulum because the book could be good, you know, whatever work Stephen King puts out, but it's, you know, up to like the director or whoever else is involved to make it, you know, something worthwhile. So, um, yeah, I guess the last Stephen King thing I saw was It, the Which new was- one. Okay, the first one was better than the second one, I think. Okay, and then I peeked at another. It was a the Hulu series with James Castle Rock. No, 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 no. It was like the Time Traveler or something like that. James Franco, hmm. and it's about like stopping the JFK assassination oh, yeah, or something yeah. like that. Um, I heard about that one. I heard yeah. it was good. I did not so see it. It's like, it yeah, they it. all have like their different tones to one another. So it's not like, you know, Stephen King is directing every single one. <laughs> so it's like you really have to pick like, is this going to be a good Stephen King adaptation or am I going to have to wait this one out? So I don't know. Like yeah, that you- guy could like scribble some graffiti on a bathroom stall and someone would option yeah. it. <laughs> like, all right, it's time to put this into production. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's sounding interesting. Now, I realized that... Uh, when I would watch, like I did, I did pick up Succession. I'm like oh, only like you? two episodes in because I've got all the other things going on. But I noticed I was like, oh, every time I watch Succession or Westworld, they show me an advertisement for uh, The Outsider, and I love Ben Mendelsohn. Uh, I think he's really cool. So. I like his voice. Yes, I he has kind of like a quiet. Yeah, voice. quiet with the uh, with like a, a little, little bit of like twinge. Right? Is he Australian? <laughs> yeah, it's okay. not. British, I don't know that. Yeah. <laughs> This guy from Georgia here is very convincing. His voice oh, has like yeah. this rounded quality to what yeah. I really like. It's just very, yeah. very calming. Yeah. I like him in uh, Captain Marvel. That's a good role. Who was in Captain Marvel? He, well, he played a guy who looked like himself. Okay. But he was really? also a scroll. I don't know. So if you I'm see sure him with great. the makeup, it's, it's really funny. Um, but yeah, that, that's something worth me giving a chance. If it's, so. And again, like it, it, it is freaky, but yeah. it, it's it's not scaring you just to scare you. Mm-hmm. I think it, the characters are really well done on both the writing and the acting side. So there's like, there's something real to hold on to. It's it, not yeah. just blah. And then like walk away. <laughs> I am scared for all of them going into the finale, oh, no. which, which I think is a good thing. Like you have me scared for these people. Yeah. So I've really, really enjoyed it. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing stakes it. Stakes are high. The stakes are high. The struggle is real. <laughs> and oh, wow. you watch the Dr. Who yeah, season I, finale, which they got you know what? It was really kind of fun. I think it was like 90 minutes or something. And so <laughs> I maybe because I maybe I have a short attention span or something. So it was like when you're walking down a hallway and then it gets longer and longer and longer. <laughs> I'm like looking at the little bar like, are we only like 20 minutes in? Uh, but it's no. It's actually huh? a bad sign when, when you're doing that and something. I, I think it might be my attention span. I You know, no, I do think 90 minutes kind of is like, pushing it hour to 90 minute range um but you know what they really did deliver it kind of this finale or the episode as a whole kind of had a feel of like the david tennant era um and maybe it's because of this the um kind of like main antagonists were were the cybermen and of course the master 
Um, but yeah, there was just something kind of like, I like it when it gets a little cheesy and it's not like super serious sure, and all that. does happen on Doctor yeah, Who. Yeah. Um, I feel like Stephen Moffat, when it was his turn, he really was kind of, I don't know, he was kind of back and forth between the serious and sort of cheesy, but Russell T. Davies was really into that. Um, so as far as the plot of everything, and I won't give everything away, there was this whole big mystery I talked about last week about like this timeless child and timeless why child. do people keep talking about it? Um, and so the master who's like, you know, taunting the doctor, he's like, oh, I know what it's all about. I discovered this really big mystery about Gallifrey. And um, at the end of the day, there's this like really huge twist about like the doctor's identity and like all these things, it kind of like to me felt like they were opening up a new gateway to be like, hey, if any other writers want to play with the doctor's uh, origins or, um, you know, really, it, they really, really opened the door to some new stuff in the Doctor Who lore that I don't think necessarily brings any plot holes about, which is always good. <laughs> I think it's it's open enough for most people to be like, yeah, this makes sense. And I don't think there's anything in past enough, seasons. To like negate that, maybe aside from a few things here or there. Um, sure, I mean, like when you're dealing with like a, a like a 60 year old show, yeah. I think the best you can <laughs> hope for is like it makes sense enough. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it also, I mean, for the most part, it gave them an excuse to keep the show going, which is a whole other thing on its own. They're like, how can we create an interesting backstory, but also make sure that this can never end? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, believe believe me the doctor who Don't will make be me laugh it's painful will be going on for a very long time um but the other thing is that it left off on a cliffhanger and i was like you gotta be kidding me i was waiting for this really great payoff and they were finally wrapping things up and then something happens to the doctor and they're like oh by the way we'll be back for the holiday special like, right <laughs> holiday oh my special. gosh yeah so it's gonna be they haven't picked for sure if they want to do a Christmas special or a New Year's special, but it looks like it's like already filmed. So if anybody just wants to leak it right now, I would not be a opposed. Christmas or New Year's special? Either wait that long? <laughs> I know, yeah. I don't even know if it's going to be Christmas. You could do a Fourth of July special, <laughs> which makes a lot of sense for a British show. Yeah, for BBC. Yeah, why not? Um, but yeah, I'm like the Christmas specials make sense usually because they're like deemed, deemed around Christmas. And uh, I think a fun running gag was like whenever it snowed, it wasn't really snow. It was like alien ash or something like that. Uh, so I, I, I'm i looking forward, I guess. So yeah, it sounds happens. like you're you're on board. The Doctor yeah, Who trying to yeah I'm really, train. I really, really. Because some like aren't. It. Like the ratings are down. Yeah. They're losing their companions, apparently. It was a fun season. I really, uh, I think Jodie Whittaker's kind of found her way and cool. the companions are hit or miss, but. <laughs> I'm still, and I was like, no, I, I still like Doctor Who. I felt kind of, it was fun kind of like jumping back into things after so long. Very nice. Yeah. And there was, Trent asked me, are you okay, Dan? Um, I'm just a little, <laughs> I, 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 I still have a little cold. It's yeah, fine. He, he's surviving. Not the coronavirus at all, probably. And, um, but you know, we'll see next week, won't we? Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Come oh, back, yeah. the seat is empty. Oh, guys. That's <laughs> well, not nice. <laughs> it hurts to laugh. All right. We'll be back next week. Yeah. I think we'll do a little Westworld preview because that's yeah. coming up. And I know that you yes. are studied, you've studied, you've studied up on that. I've studied up. Way. I am ahead. If you know <laughs> you what I mean. I am very much ahead. <laughs> In the meantime, if you want to, you know, rate us on iTunes or wherever pockets are available, give us an 18 star review, a glowing recommendation. That would be appreciated. But if not, you know, 
I just have things to do with your time. Um, and we'll be back next week, Wednesday, 4 p.m. Central Standard Time, right here on the Windframe Facebook page. More discussion, analysis, reviews, and uh, we will see you then. Adios, everybody. Bye. Good night. And thanks, Jen.